Once upon a time, in the realm of nature and the changing seasons, there existed two powerful kings who ruled over the land. The first king was known as the Oak King, a majestic figure associated with strength, growth, and the power of the sun. The second king was the Holly King, a regal ruler symbolizing darkness, wisdom, and the coming of winter. As the year progressed, the Oak King and the Holly King engaged in a never-ending cycle of battle and triumph. At the summer solstice, when the sun reached its peak and the day was longest, the Oak King's power was at its height. He reigned over the land with lush greenery and abundant life flourishing under his rule. The Oak King represented the vibrant energy of summer and the life-giving force of the sun. However, as the days grew shorter and the darkness began to encroach, the Holly King's strength increased. At the winter solstice, when the sun was at its lowest point and the night was longest, the Holly King emerged victorious in his ascent to power. With each solstice, the kings would face each other in a fierce but balanced duel. The Oak King would brandish his mighty oak staff, representing the power of growth and vitality, while the Holly King wielded a holly staff, symbolizing the strength of the waning year, the introspective nature of winter, and the quiet wisdom found in the depths of the silent darkness. In a moment of great ceremony and magic, replayed thousands of times throughout the centuries, they would exchange roles, honoring the cycle of light and darkness. As the Oak King triumphed over the Holly King during the summer solstice, the land bathed in the warmth and abundance of the sun. Fields flourished with crops, flowers bloomed, and nature thrived under the Oak King's reign. The world was filled with light and life, yet as the wheel of the year turned, the Holly King would grow stronger and the Oak King's power would wane. During the winter solstice, the Holly King would overthrow his counterpart, ushering in a time of quiet contemplation, where nature would rest and rejuvenate under the Holly King's rule until the cycle began anew. I'm Martina Rutledge, and you're listening to The Remembering Podcast. The archetypal story you just heard about the seasonal smackdown between the Oak King and the Holly King symbolizes the eternal dance of light and darkness, growth and decay, rebirth and death in the natural world. It's emblematic of the cyclical nature of the seasons and the interconnectedness of all things, including you. The tale serves as a reminder of the balance and harmony found in the perpetual ebb and flow of life cycles, and it's the perfect introduction to today's summer solstice edition of the podcast, where we're talking about walking the wheel of the year and embracing the magic of midsummer, also known as Letha, Albanhefen, or the summer solstice. Whatever you call it, it's a time of honoring the sun, nature, and the bountiful energy of the earth. So what is the wheel of the year and why should you even care about it? 
The Wheel of the Year is a series of eight high days or holidays, aka holy days, spaced about six weeks apart around the year. Each spoke on the wheel is tied closely to the seasons or some natural solar phenomenon that goes along with it. And you should care about it because even though we humans sometimes like to think of ourselves as outside of it, we're a part of nature, meaning you are affected by the literal seasons happening outside of you and your life is also cyclical, going through seasons similar to those of nature. And they may correspond literally with the season that's going on outside, and they may be going on their own little rhythm. But our lives are sort of a series of hundreds of births, deaths, and rebirths in both the literal and the metaphorical sense as we have beginnings and endings and move on to new phases of our life. Now, because not everybody is familiar with the wheel, we're going to kick things off with a little history and overview, but I promise you, if you hang on, I'm going to get to more summer solstice and why it's relevant to you and how you can actually leverage the energy of the season and the energy of this high day in particular for personal growth once we've laid out a little bit of groundwork for anyone who might be new to these concepts and is curious. So where does the wheel of the year, sometimes a little inaccurately called the Celtic wheel of the year, and I'll get to why in a moment, where does it even come from? As I've said, the wheel of the year follows the seasons of nature, which might make you think it's probably ancient. However, what we know as the wheel of the year today is actually a modern interpretation and reconstruction of European and Celtic spirituality and pagan practices, some of which were celebrated by the Celts and others not so much, which is what makes calling it the Celtic wheel of the year a little inaccurate. So the wheel as we know it today came about in the mid 20th century, and it was influenced by various sources and individuals, particularly Gerald Gardner, also known as the father of Wicca, and Ross Nichols, the founder of the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids, aka the Obod, which by the way is a really lovely organization with a really beautiful study path. And others also who sought to revive and reinterpret ancient beliefs within a contemporary context. And so these modern interpretations and stations on the wheel of the year or spokes draw inspiration from Celtic and European mythology, folklore, and historical references combined with personal and group spiritual experiences. But what they're not is the direct lineage we sometimes like to romanticize them to be going from ancient practice to the present day, which is just something I like to point out because I think we tend to mythologize these things and in doing so think the older equals better and more authentic, which is not necessarily true. A practice doesn't have to be ancient or notarized by a Bronze Age priestess to be beautiful or meaningful as a personal practice. 
It's all about what makes you feel connected to something bigger than yourself. But if you are interested in more of the history of some of these practices and their origins, a good place to start would be just about anything by British historian and scholar Ronald Hutton, who specializes in the study of ancient and modern pagan witchcraft and folkloric tradition. But for now, to recap the basics, the Wheel of the Year is a concept that originates from pagan and neo-pagan tradition, which recognize and celebrate the cyclical nature of the seasons and the interconnectedness between nature, spirituality, and human life, aka us, itself. It's a way of acknowledging and honoring the changing rhythms of the earth and our lives throughout the year. And as I said, the Wheel of the Year is divided into eight major holidays, four of which, the solstices and equinoxes, are directly related to solar happenings. And then we have what we call the four cross-quarter days, Samhain, Imolk, Beltane, and Lunasa, which fall between the solar holidays. And one of my favorite things about the Wheel of the Year is that if you do the math, all the high days are spaced about six weeks apart, which means that one of the perks of following an earth-based spiritual path is that you have a pretty regular excuse to feast and party and celebrate if you need one. Personally, I think you, sh you should take any excuse you can find to celebrate, especially when we're talking about celebrating yourself. But it is fun to know that there's always something coming up. And in addition to giving us an excuse to gather together and celebrate and eat, let me tell you, um, pagan festivals, big excuse for potlucks and eating just like any other church, even though whether there's so many different groups within the big umbrella of paganism that I don't know that I feel comfortable calling it a church, but Either way, these high days mark significant points of the solar year and reflect the shifting energies of nature and corresponding spiritual themes and periods of waxing and waning, action and rest and seeding and growth that are built into nature and into our own lives as well. So in case you're not familiar with the Wheel of the Year, I want to give you a brief rundown of the eight high days. So we start and end with Samhain, which is one of the three harvest festivals, and it's celebrated on October 31st or November 1st in the Northern Hemisphere, and April 30th or May 1st in the Southern Hemisphere. And what you'll find as we go through the wheel is that depending which hemisphere you're in, there's always some mirroring going on where we're each celebrating the opposite spoke on the wheel, because we're taking our cue from nature and the seasons rather than an actual calendar year date. So Samhain marks the beginning of the wheel of the year and the end, and is sometimes referred to as the witch's new year. And it's a time when we honor and remember our ancestors, reflect on mortality and embrace the cycle of life, death and rebirth. And so next up on the wheel is Yule, which is celebrated around December 21st in the Northern Hemisphere. And again, six months later, around June 20th, June 21st in the Southern Hemisphere. And Yule coincides with the winter solstice, which is the shortest day and the longest night of the year. 
And so it symbolizes the rebirth of the sun and the return of the light, even though we're still in the really dark part of December, there's that first little glimmer of hope that the sun is going to return. And so we're still in this time of introspection and renewal and celebrating the warmth of hearth and home. But we have this sense that the light will return and things will become warmer and better again. Next up, we've got Imolk, which is celebrated on February 1st or 2nd in the north and August 1st or 2nd in the southern hemisphere. And Imolk is associated with the goddess Bridget or Breed. And it's the first of three spring festivals and marks the first signs of spring starting to arise, right? If you think about this time of year, it's when the very, very first thaws start to occur, the first little early spring flowers, like maybe hellebore or um, crocuses, depending upon where you live, right? It's that very first glimmer of spring, and it represents the awakening of the earth, the beginning of new life, and the growing strength of the sun. And it's also a time associated with purification, inspiration, and the creative spark. Next up is Ostara, which is celebrated around March 20th or 21st in the Northern Hemisphere, and again in September in the Southern Hemisphere. And Ostara com corresponds with the vernal equinox, and it's particularly special to me and those who love me because it usually falls on my birthday. <laughs> and like its mirror, the autumn equinox, it symbolizes balance, right? You have equal within equinox and it's the balance between light and dark as the days become longer and you reach that midway point between the solstices where night and day are of equal length right and so after the spring equinox days start getting longer after the autumn equinox days start getting shorter and the springtime is a time of fertility, growth, and embracing energies of renewal and new beginnings. And if you think about it, that we're a part of nature and a microcosm of it, just like we do in our gardens in spring, it's a time for seeding and thinking about what it is we want to grow and accomplish in our lives. Next up is Beltane, which is one of my favorites. It's a fire festival celebrated on May 1st in the Northern Hemisphere and November 1st in the Southern Hemisphere. And Beltane really heralds the arrival of summer. It represents the peak of fertility and abundance in nature, and it's a time of joy, sensuality, and celebrating the vitality of life. And it often involves dancing around a maypole and honoring the union of the divine masculine and feminine and traditionally is a time even when people have hand fastings and weddings and those sorts of commitment between two partner sorts of things. Next, and this is where we are right now, is Letha or Albanhefen, which is more of an Obad Druid way of referring to it. And that's the summer solstice, which we are celebrating today, June 21st, here in the Northern Hemisphere. 
And the summer solstice is the longest day and the shortest night of the year, which means we're going to get lots, lots of sun today. And even though the summer is just starting, it symbolizes the height of the sun's power and with it the knowledge that because we live by cycles, the days are going to start to grow shorter. And it's a time of celebration of the abundance of nature, appreciation for the natural world, and gratitude for the coming harvests in life. And it's also a great time to think about our own light and how do we want to show up and shine it in the world, which is something we'll be talking a little more about in this podcast episode. Next, we've got Lamas or Lunasa, which is the first harvest festival of the year, and it's celebrated on August 1st or 2nd, again, Northern Hemisphere, and February 1st or 2nd in the Southern Hemisphere. And Lunasa represents the first fruits of the earth and gratitude for the abundance that sustains us. It's a time of honoring the grain harvest and of feasting and sharing in community, which makes it a really kind of lovely early summer, I'm not early summer, but early August holiday. And then next we have Mabin, which is celebrated around September 21st in the Northern Hemisphere and March 20th in the Southern Hemisphere. And this day corresponds to the autumnal equinox. So again, we're talking about equal day and night, balance between light and dark as the days become shorter going forward. And it's a time of gratitude, reflection, and harvesting the fruits of our labor. And then six weeks later, the whole cycle starts anew with Samhain as the year ends and begins and the wheel turns round and round and round into eternity with the cycle completing itself over and over and over again. So I think you can see based on the quick tour we just did of the wheel, how each high day carries with it the energy of what's going on seasonally and in nature during that time. But the cool thing about it is that we can also use the wheel of the year as a template to highlight themes of personal growth within ourselves, as well as our connection to nature and the goddess. So, for example, when we look at our own growth in terms of the wheel, we can think of the period from Imolk to Beltane as that time in our personal work when we're thinking about activity and planning what it is we're seeding and growing going forward. The harvest holidays from Lunasa to Samhain, on the other hand, correspond to the period of reaping and celebrating in community and appreciating the abundance of life. And then when we look at the cold darkening months between Samhain and Yule, they correspond to an introspective period where we're going within and doing things like shadow work, self-reflection, and resting that mirror how nature behaves in the winter when the ground and plants are dormant. You know, some animals like bears go into hibernation to gather energy for the coming spring. And while that doesn't mean that our seasons are necessarily always following the exact time of year that it literally is outside or that we can only think about releasing in the winter or growth in the summer. It does reinforce that all life 
including our inner life and our development is cyclical and that they're natural energies within each cycle that support specific types of workings and personal growth. And it's also why a lot of magic and witchy, wooey stuff is really just spicy psychology and not necessarily as dark or mysterious as people who aren't really familiar with it think it is. It's also why if you're relying on movies like The Craft to teach you about what it means to be pagan, and that's no shade to The Craft. I enjoyed it. I love watching things like Buffy or practical magic or all of those sorts of things, or I love me a good ghost hunting series. But all of these things are movies and entertainment and not a guidebook. And so if you're just kind of looking at the at the superficial parts and not diving deeper into the energies of the different times of year, you're missing out on a lot that you can be using to help yourself grow. And if you're familiar with the waxing and waning stages of the moon as she goes through her cycles each month, you can probably see similar themes within the wheel of the year as you see in her journey where there are periods where we're waxing and growing, right? And waning and resting and retreating more within. So when you combine the cycles of the moon with the cycles of the seasons to do any kind of magical or inner workings, you create a really powerful foundation for growth for yourself and for what it is that you want to manifest in the world. And I have to say that setting and reaching goals using the phases of the moon is one of my favorite things ever because as wooey as it sounds, it can be used in really practical down-to-earth ways and has built into it these sort of natural stations for setting goals, for reviewing our progress, for reflecting on whether the goal needs tweaking, for advancing it, for giving it up if maybe it's not quite what we thought it was going to be or we find ourselves taken down a different path. So it's a really beautiful tool to use as we're shaping our own lives, lives, not lives. Um, <laughs> and that'll be something that we'll definitely talk about in a future episode as well. But for today, we're really all about the sun and the solstice. So we're going to stick with that for now. So as we've already discussed, the summer solstice is an astronomical event that occurs annually in June, making it the longest day and the shortest night of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. And ancient cultures such as the Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, and Druids observed and celebrated the summer solstice with rituals and festivities to honor the sun, some of which are still celebrated today and often involve things like bonfires, dancing, the ever-popular feasting, <laughs> and rituals related to fertility and protection against evil spirits. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I went to go visit friends in the south of France who lived in the Pyrenees and got to participate in such a ritual in the square of this like beautiful 
small walled medieval village where there was dancing around a bonfire and a small fir tree was burned and there was lots of wine and feasting and food and long lines of tables and people laughing and celebrating deep into the night. And it stands out to me as one of the most magical and memorable experiences of my life that I remember really vividly, even today, even though it was over 30 years ago, because there's just something really beautiful about going through these rituals and observances that people have been conducting for hundreds, even thousands of years and there's just something about the energy of a place where these rituals have been repeated over and over again that that makes you feel really connected to those who walked before and it's just a really moving and and beautiful experience and it was a lot of fun too. So if you're looking for some ways to connect with that kind of energy and observe the solstice today, I want to offer you some suggestions that you could incorporate into your day sometime today. So it's probably too late for you to watch the sunrise, but that would have been a great activity. But you can still find a serene location to watch the sunset and use that time to reflect on the blessings and growth in your life during the past season and offer gratitude for the abundance and light that surrounds you. Related to that is spending time in nature. If you can't do it, I mean, extra points if you can do it at sunrise or sunset, but if you can just at all visit a nearby park, forest, or beach, or outdoor space, that makes you feel connected to the natural world. It's a really good time to take a walk, hike, or simply sit in stillness to appreciate the vibrant energy of summer. Another idea is to have a picnic or a barbecue. Plan a gathering with loved ones, even if it's an impromptu one, where you can enjoy a picnic and eat outdoors and incorporate seasonal fruits and foods and vegetables into your menu that really celebrate the bounty of summer and make you feel connected to the season. You know, it's the perfect time for eating things like fresh berries or cherries, which have such a short ripe season but are so so good when they are in season and you can get them locally another idea is build a bonfire or light a ceremonial fire you know do it safely of course and in a designated area and be careful but as you sit around the fire offer prayers and intentions or written wishes to be released into the flames you can also write down anything that you wish to let go of or release from the previous season and toss those into the flames and let the heat of the fire transmute them into smoke and and send them out into the ethers and away from you. <laughs> Another thing you can do is perform a fire meditation. Focus on the transformative energy of the fire and visualize any neg negative or stagnant energy, again, being transmuted and released. 
Another thing that's a really nice practice to do today is collect some summer flowers or herbs and put them in a pretty vase in your living room. Create a floral arrangement and use flowers like sunflowers, roses, lavenders, or any any local blooms that are in season. Those are just a few ideas and I'm sure you can come up with a ton more, but whatever you do, celebrate the summer solstice as a time of heightened magical energy and the triumph of the light over the darkness and honor it for what it is, which is a time of renewal and abundance as we move into the season of light, vitality, fertility, and growth. And that idea of the light as the sun is reaching its highest point in the sky, radiating intense light and warmth, is one that can metaphorically and sometimes physically be harnessed to catalyze personal transformation in several ways. For example, if you think of the light shining and illuminating like a spotlight, light focuses your attention on things, resulting in increased awareness. You know, during this time of year, we're outside more. The extended daylight during the summer solstice provides us an opportunity to be more present and attendant to our surroundings, what's going on outside and inside of us. The abundance of light can illuminate aspects of our lives and ourselves that require attention or change, making this a really good time for self-reflection, introspection, and heightened awareness of our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. Now, going outside of our inner life, the sun's energy during this time can also boost our physical and mental well-being. The warmth and light can invigorate us, giving us vitamin D and increasing our energy levels, which promotes a sense of vitality so we can shine brighter in the world. And this renewed strength can help us overcome obstacles, step out of our comfort zones, and embrace growth and the growing pains that sometimes come with it with resilience and determination. But I think for me, the most powerful aspect of this idea of light is in thinking about your own light as a human being who was put on this earth to make some sort of a difference. Because I really do believe that we're not just here for personal gain, but to leave things in some way a little better for the animals, people, and life that inhabit this planet. So when I think of light, the natural question becomes, what is my unique light? Because you do have one. And how and where can I best shine it? If you're stumped and looking for a way to get started on identifying, exploring, and embracing that inner light, you might want to start with engaging in introspection, meaning take some time to reflect upon your passions, values, strengths, and unique qualities. Your light often lies in the activities that naturally bring you joy the things that you're naturally passionate about. So look at what brings you happiness. What makes you feel alive? What values and principles do you hold dear? Understanding yourself better can help you uncover your authentic light. And great ways to tap into that are 
identifying your passions and pursuing creative outlets, both of which can be powerful vehicles for self-discovery and also showcasing your unique light in the world. Another way to embrace your light is to be true to yourself and celebrate your uniqueness. If you hide it under a bushel of fear and judgment or societal expectation, you're going to dim your light and the assignment here is to let it shine. So embrace the quirks, talents, and perspectives that set you apart. Your authentic self is a gift that only you can offer and that shit is way too good to keep to yourself so spread it around next on the list is be generous discover and develop your strengths and talents then share them generously with others whether it's offering a helping hand sharing your knowledge using your skills to make a positive impact or just using your gifts to make someone happy and create a moment of joy for them contributing your gifts enhances your light and inspires others to do the same and then lastly, I think one of the things that's most important in, in developing your gifts and shining your light is to seek a supportive community. Surround yourself with people who uplift and inspire you and hold you to the value of creating good in the world. If you're surrounding yourself with people who are entirely self-motivated, negative, and just out for themselves, you're not going to feel very inspired to do something bigger with your own light. So make sure you are regularly engaging with individuals who celebrate your light and encourage yourself, encourage your personal growth and who you can do the same for. It's really important to seek mentors and like minded individuals who can guide and inspire us on our journey. You know, one of the things about viewing the world as cyclical is that we hold this duality that even as we're moving into the height of summer from the summer solstice on, the days are actually getting shorter. It's actually kind of like the idea that as at the same time as life is beautiful, we're dying from the moment we take our first breath. And I know that sounds a little morbid and dark, and I don't mean for it to be, but because there is this paradox to life that at the same time as we're developing and growing, we're also moving closer to the end with each day, so we have to make each day count. And that doesn't mean that life can't be joyful and beautiful, but it's simply a duality we hold. And that duality, that awareness that there's always a new phase just around the corner is built into looking at life and nature as a cycle. So as a turning point in the seasonal cycle, the summer solstice also signals the transition from the waxing phase of the year where everything's growing brighter to the waning phase where it's getting darker and darker. Even though we're at the height of summer, we're at the height of warmth, and we're at this beautiful, joyful, growing time of year. And being in this place symbolically can inspire us to let go and release of what no longer serves us 
and to make space for new beginnings because every end is a new beginning at the same time. And we can use the transformative energy of the sun at this time of the year to release old patterns, beliefs, and emotions, paving the way for personal growth and renewal, kind of like weeding a garden so that it can flourish. So in that way, the summer solstice deepens our connection to the natural world and to ourselves as part of it. It reminds us of our inherent relationship with the cycles of the earth and the interconnectedness of all life of which we are a part. This connection can bring a sense of perspective, grounding, and harmony, enabling personal growth through alignment with nature's wisdom and rhythms. And so, since it has become a tradition to share something beautiful at the end of each podcast, I will leave you with Mary Oliver's lovely ode, The Sun, as we close out today's celebration of the light. Have you ever seen anything in your life more beautiful than the way the sun, every evening, relaxed and easy, floats toward the horizons and into the clouds or the hills or the rumpled sea? and is gone, and how it slides again out of the blackness every morning on the other side of the world, like a red flower streaming upward on its heavenly oils, say on a morning in the early summer at its perfect imperial distance. And have you ever felt for anything such wild love? Do you think there is anywhere in any language a word billowing enough for the pleasure that fills you as the sun reaches out, as it warms you. With brightest of blessings until next time, this is Martina, and this has been the Remembering Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, I'd be most grateful if you'd subscribe. And to learn more about me and the work that I'm doing at Into the Wild Woods of the Soul, visit martinarutledge.com.